Hey, Trojan fans, get ready for the Trojan Blast podcast. The Trojan Blast is like our regular hairstyle podcast with a little twist. You can download all of our podcasts 24 hours a day, 7 days a week at parastylepodcast.com. And now, here's the host of the Trojan Blast podcast, uscfootball.com publisher, Ryan Abraham. Hey, Trojan fans, this is Ryan Abraham, uscfootball.com publisher, and this is another exciting edition of the Peristyle Podcast Trojan Blast recruiting podcast with our very special guest, Gerard Martinez, uscfootball.com national recruiting analyst. What's up, Gerard? How are you? I'm doing great. I'm excited because we are at the end of the camp circuit. I can see the light at the end of the tunnel. We are almost there, Ryan Abraham. We are almost there. We were at the uh, Rivals five-star challenge down in Atlanta, and then we're just after the fourth, we are heading up to Oregon for the opening, where a lot of USC commits are going to be up there, Gerard. Yeah, but in between, we also uh, indirectly covered the Rising Stars camp at USC. Yes. We covered the B2G Elite Camp in Thousand Oaks, California, which, for me, traveling-wise, took me as long to get there as it will take us to get to Portland. So, <laughs> in essence, we've covered like four, five camps uh, in the matter of uh, you know less than a month. So, definitely, it's it's been pretty crazy. And Atlanta was awesome. It was an awesome trip. I think in hindsight, we're going to look back at that trip and go, wow, we saw a lot of talent on one field for one camp. And now we're going up to Oregon. We're going to see if uh, the opening uh, can match uh, the talent that we saw at Five Star. It should be really good. So uh, it's definitely exciting. And it should be a pretty cool laid-back trip. Um, definitely uh, a lot of analysis coming your way, Trojan fans. So stay tuned for that. Yeah, we have tons more video coming from the uh... – the Rivals Five Star. We also have some video from the B2G Elite. And I was actually out at St. John Bosco earlier in the week and saw Nico Fala. Uh, so I got some video of him. We already put up the story about that. He's going to announce on uh, July 11th. And he's actually taking an unofficial visit to Oregon on July 9th. So, yeah, lots of stuff to get to. Lots of stuff to get to. So let's get to it. All right. Let's, uh, we'll try to do some of these rapid fire. But we got some questions. Let's start off. With one of our favorite callers, you know who it is. Here we go. Hey, Ryan, it's Miguel. Got a question for Gerard. Um, there's reports out there that Khalil Rogers is really interested in Auburn and that he might commit to Auburn during the summer. And if he does that, uh, Kenny Bigelow would reconsider his commitment to the Trojans um, and they would be part of a package deal to Auburn. Um, any truth? to these uh, rumors uh, and any closer for Rogers to get an offer from USA. Thank you very much and fight on. There are reports, Ryan Abraham, reports which would probably mean that somebody plagiarized the war room because we put that in the war room probably a couple weeks ago. But uh, anyhow, uh, I digress. Uh, Khalil Rogers, 6'3", 315 Pound, we're being probably a little, you know, nice about the 15 pounds, uh, is uh, one of those guys that we saw down in Atlanta and was dominant. Um, probably a guard, maybe a center. 
for USC. He was supposed to unofficially visit USC and camp at the Rising Stars camp right after the five-star challenge in Atlanta. But unfortunately, he had some summer school issues come up. He got a call uh, the day before he was supposed to fly out to Los Angeles from his coach uh, saying that he had to go back home and he had to take some more classes, and that put the kibosh on him going to the Rising Stars camp, which really was a snafu in his recruitment for USC because USC needed to get to see him in person at that camp. And I think if he would have come out and if he would have performed the way he's performed at every camp we've seen him at, he would have got a scholarship offer. Now we're starting to hear USC still talking to him about a scholarship offer. I hear that there's nothing official, but they're still involved with him and they still want to recruit him heavily. Auburn is a player. And we've talked about Auburn before with Khalil Rogers. I don't know that he wants to commit before the season. That still remains to be seen. If he did commit over the summer, it's not going to be like Kenny Bigelow is going to turn around and decommit from USC. That's not going to happen. But there's definitely more of a chance that Auburn could sway Kenny Bigelow sometime, I think, towards the end of the year. I think if he ends up visiting Auburn, it's going to be probably later in the season, maybe even after the season. I think that'll be some interesting kind of chess moves going on with USC. And, you know, if they tell Kenny Bigelow that they want him to, to visit at a certain time to make sure that, you know, he has a lot of time to be able to think about his commitment to USC in January. But as far as, you know, how much impact it'll have, I think it'll have some impact. I think obviously the season is going to have a big impact. How does USC play how does Auburn play you know Auburn's not necessarily in line to have some big great year next year they really were pretty bad last year underwhelming considering where they were ranked um, and coming off a national championship this year you could look at their roster and kind of wonder what kind of year they're going to have so are they that team that can really even though they get maybe Khalil Rogers to sway Kenny Bigelow to me I would be much more worried if I'm a USC fan about Ohio State if Khalil Rogers was to commit to Ohio State, then I would think Ohio State, knowing that you've got Urban Meyer, you've got a great recruiting staff, and you've got a team that could be on the rise here. They could be, you know, definitely kind of turning things around a little bit with Urban Meyer. I think that might be a bigger pull for Kenny Bigelow. Um, so, you know, we'll kind of see how it plays out. But Auburn's definitely in there. It's definitely a, a player for Kenny Bigelow if uh, Khalil Rogers does commit. All right. Let's go to J.D. from D.C. He mentions about Nico Fala. And Eddie Vander does. Gerard, after the Hutchings verbal, your odds on USC signing these last two pieces of the 2013 class who have never been seen to be heavy USC leans? I think for Nico Fala, um, the St. John Bosco offensive tackle, 6'5", 275 pounds, I'd put his chances of ending up at USC probably around 80%, uh, maybe even higher by the time we get back from the opening next week. I think with Eddie Vanderdose, uh, the defensive tackle from uh, Placer, California, 6'4", 285, I think it's a lot less. I think it's more of a 40 you know, maybe climbing a little bit above 40% for USC right now. I think Oregon's in the driver's seat. I think they've been in the driver's seat. He's close with Eric Armstead and the Armsteads, and we obviously know if you've been paying attention to USCfootball.com for, you know, the course of the year, uh, especially last season, you know, Armsteads weren't real happy with USC and USC medical team holding out Armand Armstead last year for health reasons. So I think there's some definite dynamics behind the scenes. I think Eddie Vanderdose is definitely looking at USC harder, but the fact that he wasn't down during the summer, didn't go see uh, USC for the Rising Stars camp, obviously didn't participate in the Rising Stars camp, I think that's definitely one of those things that you know would have maybe made it a little more uh, even for USC and Oregon. So at this point, I think 
Oregon is still the leader, and um, USC is trying to kind of get back in the race and make it a little more competitive. And there's a lot of time for that to still happen. And I think, you, I think USC will definitely probably get an official visit at some point during the year, and that's going to be where you know that fork in the road comes for Eddie Vanderdose. Does he go Oregon, or does he start to look at USC more seriously? Okay. Uh, David is a little confused. He says, what about Darius Rogers? He signed, but might not be academically eligible. If not, can someone else take his spot? How does that work out with the scholarships? Well, welcome to the village of the confused, because we're always confused here at uscfootball.com when it comes to scholarships and then how many numbers there are available. Um, it seems like uh, an ever-changing, fluid situation. Uh, with this, though, it's a pretty simple answer. Darius Rogers, if he does not become eligible, he does not end up enrolling at USC, that spot is open for an early enrollee for the 2013 class. So you get, instead of three early enrollees for 2013, you get four. Which is not bad, because um, it seems like at right this point, Lane Kiffin does have four or five guys, it seems like, that could enroll early. So it's not like you'd be stretching trying to find someone to bring in. It would just be letting else someone else count towards a class of 2012 as opposed to you know, taking a reach on some guy that you just want to try to get in early just to get a body. Correct. And they've worked with some guys very early in the process, got them committed and got those guys on track to be early enrollees. And right now uh, you've got Sue Cravens, you've got Max Brown, um, you've got Justin Davis, and you've got Chris Hawkins, and you have possibly Kylie Fitz all in line to be early enrollees. Whether all those guys are able to be early enrollees, that remains to be seen. We're not going to really know until we start getting in late September into October because some of these kids are going to have to take summer school. Uh, but they do have some some redundancy there. You know, if, if three guys are not able to get in or, you know, they have that three um, and, and, you know, there's somebody that all of a sudden becomes on the fence, well, there should be somebody there to back them up and be able to be an early enrollee. And all those guys, whether they, in, uh, they count towards that 2012 class, that early enrollment class, all the guys that are able to early enrollee, whether it's four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, they can go ahead and, and enroll in January and be uh, available for spring practice. So it's, a, it's a definitely a win just getting those guys in spring practice, you know, getting them a little ahead of the curve and, um, you know, getting them acclimated to college life. And I, I think that's kind of a big move, especially when you're talking about the numbers and being down in scholarships. You know, spring ball, that's really where you start to see it hurt USC the most in terms of practicing and just having bodies uh, for the scout team and being able uh, to give uh, the first team a look. So I think, you know, that's definitely going to be a big deal getting those guys in early. Okay. Let's uh, go back to voicemail questions. Here you go. Hey, my name is Jason from Seattle. and I'm calling uh, about the recruits. Um, I was wondering how easy or how hard is it to uh, go from a five, four star, I'm sorry, to a, a five star, uh, like a Stephen Mitchell going from a four star to a five star, and then my second question would be, um, what's our chances of, of getting Priest Willis and Max Redfield in this uh, recruiting class? Thank you very much. Bye. And Gerard, just uh, save the Max Redfield the uh, and Priest Willis questions because we have another question on that a little bit. So you can talk to the four-star, five-star first. It's difficult to go from a four-star to a five-star because five-star is the elite. And I think the experts and the guys that are in charge of rankings – um, are definitely, especially this time of year, very, very picky when it comes to five stars. And when you start to see a little later in the year and there's a little more of a quota and they kind of want to get to that 25, if there's 25, you know, I think the one thing with rivals over the years, if they haven't found, 
you know, 25, 35 stars, and there hasn't been 25, 35 stars. But you tend to want to get to that number, and you try to say, okay, you know, let's let's maybe, you know, give the benefit of the doubt to this kid we saw in the Army game, and he played really well. He might be a five-star. But I think at this time of year it's difficult. Um, you don't want to be wrong and take a star away from a kid. I think that's more of the issue. And towards the end of the year, you're probably not going to do that because there's not going to be any change in rankings as you get into late January. Um, so I think it's difficult. Uh, bottom line, um, I know with rivals, I can only really speak with rivals. I know those guys uh, are very picky when it comes to five stars. Um, it does happen. It can happen. I think that uh, there's going to be some ranking updates here in August, and uh, there's a chance that the USC may have a, a commit or two that's going to be looked at as a possible five star. Um, there might be some targets that USC still recruiting that might become five stars. Uh, I think the one guy that comes to mind first and foremost is Jalen Ramsey, the corner from Nashville, Tennessee, um, six foot, 190 pounds. He was fantastic at the five-star challenge. Uh, he was definitely the def best defensive back among some very, very good defensive backs at that camp and end up winning MVP. So I think that's a guy that when you look at him physically and then you look at his disposition and you look how he handles himself and, and the kind of intangibles he brings to the table, I think that's definitely a, a prospect right now for USC that could end up being a five-star that's a four-star. Good segue because he's in our next question. Hi, I'm Jay from Pomona. This question is for Gerard Martinez. I just want to know, what do you think our chances are in landing Priest Willis, Max Redfield, and Jalen Ramsey's? And could our DB catch this year, including Chris Hawkins and Sua Cravens, be considered one of the best DB recruitings in the last four years? Thanks, guys. You guys are doing great. Fight on. Definitely think it could be one of the best defensive back classes that USC's ever recruited. It still sounds like it's going to be five. There may be some leeway there, depending on some guys maybe growing out of positions, changing positions. We always talk about Sewell Cravens and maybe his ability to play Will Linebacker down the line. Just kind of going to depend on him physically, how he grows. He's only 16 years old, just turned 17, uh, I think, a couple of days ago. And so that's going to be one of those things that development-wise maybe – he becomes a linebacker, and then you can you know, maybe somebody else is in there, and you still have five defensive backs. Um, with Priest Willis, Max Redfield, and Jalen Ramsey, I'd say Jalen Ramsey um, is at the top of the list right now. You know he's been to USC a couple times within a two-week period. Went to the Rising Stars camp, hung out at USC basically for the whole week. He was there Monday to Thursday, and although he only camped and participated at the camp one of those days, Tuesday. He was pretty much there and hanging around campus and hanging around the other committed recruits and some of the players that are on the team the whole week. And I think, you know, USC is definitely in a really good spot for him. I don't know if I'll throw out a percentage. I'd say maybe 70%, maybe 75% right now. He's going to visit um, Washington after he goes to the opening July 9th. And uh, then he's going to go back home and he's going to start narrowing down his list and he's going to start uh, saying thanks but no thanks to some coaches. Whether he commits early before the season or during the season still remains to be seen. I think there's a little bit of a, a lean maybe getting it done before a senior season, um, but he had talked previously with his folks uh, about doing it on his birthday, and that's in October. So we're going to have to see how that happens. I think next in line after that is probably Max Redfield. I think Max is a little more of that 60, 65% USC, um, but he has you know gone to the Rising Stars camp. I think that was huge, him hooking up with Sue Cravens. Those two guys performed really well, performed together. 
together. And Max has said, you know, throughout the process that playing with Sua and playing with, you know, a great bunch of DBs would be something that would be high on his list. And obviously USC losing three safeties uh, next year is going to be a big deal for him too. Oregon is that other team on the list. Uh, interestingly, he's not going to go to the opening, so he's not going to be unofficially visiting Oregon um, anytime soon um, unless he goes up there just kind of by himself on his own. We'll see how that happens. That could maybe prolong his recruitment a little more. I'm hearing that while he said originally he wanted to go ahead and commit at the Under Armour game, which is in January, it sounds like he may not wait that long. He may pop before the season so he can concentrate on the senior season. If he does that, I think he's USC. Um, and, and probably, I guess, the guy that's a little more of that 50-50 kind of trying to get a feel What's really going on with his recruitment is Priest Willis. You know, Priest coming from Tempe, Arizona, he's a guy that's not too far away. You can still consider him as a regional recruit, maybe even a local recruit. When I talk to him in person, he raves about USC. He says all the right things about USC. But a lot of people behind the scenes feel like, you know, he's kind of saying those same things to, to, to LSU and to UCLA and that it's going to be pretty – pretty big battle kind of coming down towards the end of the year for him he wants to wait till signing day that's going to be something that USC has to kind of work around with his recruitment can they wait till signing day can they wait and then possibly end up not getting him you know with a 75 and and you're only getting 18 per class every commit counts and to leave it to signing day and maybe being unsure I think that's maybe a little bit of an issue for USC. We're going to have to see how it plays out. He told me that USC's not necessarily rushing him. They haven't put any pressure on him to commit early, but you know USC would like to have some type of decision from him probably earlier than you know the last week of January. So we'll see how that goes. I, I'd put him more 50%, 60% just because there's a lot of intangibles and there's a lot of things going around his recruitment um, and the fact that he's not ready to go ahead and say, yeah, you know, USC's my leader or come out and really put you know any kind of of a really specific favorite school list together, and also the fact that he says that he's probably not going to officially visit USC. He's got three visits, Nebraska, LSU, and Notre Dame. Says that UCLA and USC probably not going to visit because he can unofficially visit. So we'll see how that uh, affects his recruitment as well as the season goes on. All right, let's go to David. What did GM mean when he said Hutchings really isn't a camp guy? I'm sensing less enthusiasm for Hutchings over the past few months. Not a camp guy, definitely a guy that you want to put on in pads. I think the Dale South players tend to be that way. Um, I also think, you know, Grant players tend to be that way. There's a few schools up north um, in Northern California that are definitely very physical, um, aggressive teams that play hard-nosed defense and offense. De La Salle being that kind of veer option team, um, you know, Sacramento Grant the same way where they're just really a run team and they're going to bang it out. When you watch those guys at camps, you see them playing in space, they're playing in shirts and shorts. They just, they're just not comfortable. And I think with Michael Hutchings, he's definitely a guy that needs contact. He needs to kind of get in a rhythm. Um, he needs to be around some flying bodies, and you start to see his nose for the ball uh, kind of show through. In a camp situation, it's not that way. He's doing a lot of just uh, floating around in space and doing some seven-on-seven stuff and one-on-ones. Um, I, I just, he's just not necessarily that kind of guy that you're going to be able to get his full game by watching him play with no pads on. Okay, we have a couple from Mikey. First, he wanted to know about will USC look at uh, running back Isaiah uh, Crowell? No. 
No. Next okay. question. Quick. Yeah. So he was. Uh, which, who was we with? He got kicked off the team, and he's going to be. Trans- he was kicked off of Georgia. Um, yeah. He had uh, goodness. Um, trying to remember off the top of my head what happened with him. It was. Uh, oh, I'm blanking. Oh, he had a gun in his car. He got pulled over uh, <laughs> yeah, that- with a bunch of a, a few different players in the car, and I can't remember if he was actually driving the car. I believe he was. And uh, they they asked if you know there was any marijuana in the car, if there was any alcohol in the car. They searched the car. Uh, they found no marijuana. They found no alcohol. But they found a gun with the serial number scratched off. And um, and bad. he said that it was his gun. And um, it was a, it's a felony type deal. Evidently, it's a pretty serious charge. Um, he may face up to I think it was three years in prison. You know he hasn't been convicted as of yet. He's probably going to have to go to trial and go through uh, that whole process. But uh, been dismissed from the team at Georgia, and he's going to be going through some legal battles here in, in the next year. So um, I can't see USC getting involved with him, um, oh. not unless uh, you know everything is wiped clean and he's acquitted, and um, you know it's a complete change of basically what direction his future is headed in right now. Okay, and then his second one was there's a kid named Carson O'Connell who plays center offensive guard, and he says claiming he has an offer from USC as a preferred walk-on. That's Well, that's really not an offer, but uh, any truth to this? Do you know anything about Carson O'Connell? Says that he, he got a preferred walk-on uh, ride from USC, which is not a scholarship. It's just basically a spot that he can go in, and, and he's kind of assured that he can come in and make the team so he doesn't necessarily have to try out to make the team um i don't know for sure if it's true or not i haven't really had time to run that one down i don't necessarily um you know doubt it i mean he went to the rising stars camp he performed um i I could see usc maybe liking him a lot and just saying listen you know we just don't have enough scholarships to basically offer you anything um he did play center we know usc's been kind of in the market for a center a little bit so um i i wouldn't necessarily Really say that uh, it's something that uh, you'd be skeptical about. I, I could see it being true, and um, you know the timing of it would obviously be right. Having just gone to the Rising Stars camp, perform now. I hear he performed pretty well. Yeah, and it, it, I guess we want to clarify. It's. I mean, you can be. I guess you can say it's a a walk on offer, but it's not. When we talk about offers, we're talking about scholarship offers. It's not. There's no scholarship offer there. It's like basically an invitation to come on and walk on the team. And as a preferred walk-on, you'll make the team. So we don't. I don't want to try to use the word offer when you talk about walk-on because then I think people get confused. But it's not. not Definitely, a, and, yeah. and that happened with uh, Elijah Steen and, and a few other players that said that they were offered, and and it's you're being offered a spot um, on the team, but you're not necessarily being offered a scholarship. I guess that's the most clear way to put it. Yeah, very good. Okay, uh, let's go, Ryan. He wants to know: Can you talk a little bit about the 2014 recruits SC has? already received verbal commitments from how good are they at the moment uh, usc's got two commitments for the 2014 class both offensive linemen one being tal lobendon and the other being Jordan poland and both of those uh, commitments came basically after the lineman camp which was earlier in june and uh, lobendon's a guy who plays both ways he's about 6'3 275 pounds probably going to be an offensive guard uh, from what i understand he was the most dominant lineman at that camp. Uh, so overall, just in terms of, uh, you know, each rep and going into one-on-ones, everybody said that uh, he was a guy that was just the most dominant and probably uh, the hardest to, to block and the hardest to get past as a blocker. Jordan Poland is a little more of the, you know, freak of nature. He's 6'8", 335 pounds. Um, the interesting thing about Poland, he actually transferred over from a school in Phoenix down to San Diego, and he took 
kind of an academic redshirt. So he basically took a step back to remain a, a sophomore academically, but he's still going to be a junior athletically. So that means he's going to end up having to sit out uh, his senior senior season, um, which is going to be not the, this coming season, but the year after that. So he's kind of going to be a gray shirt for USC. He's going to enroll early. So he'll end up being there in January and he'll be able to be a part of spring ball to follow. But that senior season that he has, um, he's not going to actually be able to participate. Uh, but obviously, like I said, 6'8", 335 pounds. He's uh, huge. He's got great feet. He's a good basketball player. Uh, USC sees him as, as definitely one of those kind of coveted left tackles um, that it, you know everybody's searching for. USC wishes they could get one of those guys in this class. Um, and USC's obviously, you know, they've just recently given some 2014 offers out. Uh, we know that you know going down to the five-star challenge there in Atlanta. There was quite a few guys that actually were there that had scholarship offers from USC. At this point, it's important to note that these scholarship offers are really verbal offers and they can kind of get thrown out there and it's hard to really kind of know who's really got serious offers and who's just kind of had a conversation with the coach where the coach said, Hey, you know, we really want you to be a Trojan. Um, I think the guys uh, that are definitely the guys, at least that have the serious offers, the guys that have talked to Lane Kiffin through the process. Um, I think, you know, Damaris Kitt, who's a receiver from Georgia, um, who's already committed to Georgia. That's going to be probably one of the better players um, nationally as a receiver. He's a guy uh, that just recently got a scholarship offer from USC. Um, Deshaun Hand, who's a, a big-time defensive end prospect from Virginia, a guy that we saw down at the five-star uh, challenge. He was about 6'5", probably you know, 240, 250 pounds. Um, really impressive-looking kid physically. Wasn't the most dominant guy that we saw in one-on-ones. It's pretty hard to be dominant, though, when you're standing next to guys like Kenny Bigelow and, and Carl Lawson and D-Liner, and you had such a phenomenal group of uh, juniors and, and, and seniors on that defensive line. It was pretty tough to, to stand out one guy to the next. Um, but USC's given out you know, some, some offers here and, and some guys just recently, so we'll kind of see how that develops, you know, here as the season gets started, if you're going to start to see more of those scholarship offers given and the 2014 class starts to become more of a focal point as 2013 uh, ends up kind of being wrapped up maybe sooner rather than later. Okay, let's go down to this next voicemail question from uh, SEC Country. Hi, Ryan and Gerard. This is Deshaun out of Georgia. A couple of quick things and a funny comment at the end. Um, first of all, I want to know how serious is this Leon McQuay, the third rumors? Another thing is, which defensive tackles in Florida do you think we have the best chance for? Uh, another thing, did we offer Cole Luke from Arizona? And a funny comment, uh, Gerard, I think Sark in Washington is listening to your, your podcast because it's funny how he just signed a bunch of guys that you had been talking highly of. All right, thanks, Ryan and Gerard. Appreciate your show. Okay, so if Stark's listening, hey, what's going on, Steve? Uh, loved Steve when he was at USC. He was always good to us. Um, <laughs> but I don't think he's following uh, my uh, my lead uh, for, you know, who I like as recruits and who's not. I hope he's not because then they're not going to end up winning many games. Um, but, uh, uh, you know, as far as the rumor <laughs> with Leon McQuay third. I don't really know what that rumor is. There is Vernon Hargraves third. There may be some rumors about him. With uh, Leon McQuay, though, really the rumors that I hear is that he's probably going to Vandy. Um, I think he's down to, like, USC, Vandy, and 
some other school, it might be USF. I can't remember what his third school in there, but it was kind of a random top three. And a lot of people thought with the 4.5 GPA being from the South, he'd probably go to Vandy. He didn't make it to the Rising Stars camp. And so, you know, he may still unofficially visit USC. I'm not really sure, but hadn't been too much on top of that because I'm hearing a lot about him going to Vandy. Um, well, what was the, there was another question stuck in there in between. Do you remember what that was, Ryan? He wanted to know about uh, defensive tackles in Florida and uh, Cole Luke having an offer or not. That's right. Uh, defensive tackles in Florida, not really any guys that are jumping off the radar right now. Um, you know, Demarcus Walker's been a guy that said that he wants to officially visit USC. He could possibly chip down and end up being the three technique. He's about 270 pounds right now. Um, so he you know, could be one of those guys that strong side defensive end at the moment could end up being the three technique. If he unofficially or officially visits USC, then, you know, there could be a little something going on there. Right now he's definitely a full order lean. So not a guy that, you know, I would say, you know, has some serious interest in USC. We kind of have to see him take the official visit first. Um, not really a lot of other guys on the radar because, you know, these guys have either committed to other schools or they just haven't made it out to USC um, unofficially. You know, Derek Calloway is maybe the one guy. He did come out for the lineman camp. Kind of hard to think about him as a, as a Florida guy because he's actually originally from Harbor City and was going to Narbonne his freshman year. But he came out to the lineman camp and it played pretty well. Um, he's about, you know, 6'1", about 300 pounds. Um, a, a guy that's, you know, got an offer, but I think USC's kind of just taking their time and, 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 and kind of seeing how things play out maybe locally before they go after him. Um, and then you've got Keith Bryant, who's the uh, 6'2", 310-pound uh, defensive tackle from Miami, who's committed to Miami. He came out to Rising Stars, played pretty well. But whether he's a guy that USC could seriously look at, I, I don't know because he's from Miami, he's committed to Miami, he's been committed to Miami for a long time. So you kind of wonder if he's just kind of going out there to try to kind of get some national pub and um, kind of told me that when I talked to him uh, quite a few months ago early in the process when he got that scholarship offer from USC. He wanted to hear from Oregon, he wanted to hear from USC because he quote-unquote wanted to be a national recruit. So kind of take that with a grain of salt. And with, uh, with Cole Luke, yes, he does have a scholarship offer from USC. He's been completely off the, the radar, off the grid as far as doing interviews. I don't know why, why that is. I've talked to his coach. I've tried to talk to everybody just to get some indirect kind of impressions uh, about him in USC, and nobody's really given me anything. So I'm um, not really sure uh, where USC stands with him and, and kind of where his recruitment stands in general. But, yeah, he does have a scholarship offer from USC. Okay, uh, let's go to Chico. We already talked about Jalen Ramsey. He wanted to know the latest, but I thought his comments were kind of funny. He th felt that there was some speculation that USC either, one, pulled his offer, or two, he was just waiting to announce so he doesn't end up with burning mattresses on his front yard in Tennessee. Okay. I don't even know where to go from with that. That's the, that we talk about different ends of the spectrum. There. Yes. We, <laughs> he didn't pull his offer, and then, no, he's just waiting – to announce because the Vol fans are going to burn cars and, uh, you know, flip over mattresses and paint rocks because he's the best player in Tennessee and he's going to play for Lane Kiffin. Yeah, that's uh, that's definitely hearing two different things from two different people on that one. Have you heard either one? Have I heard either one? Uh, not really, actually. Um, I haven't really heard that he's waiting to announce because of the backlash that he may get in Tennessee. And I have certainly have not heard anything about USC pulling his offer. I, I know that's not true. Um, but uh, you kind of really haven't heard anything on either. Maybe somewhere towards, you know, kind of waiting to announce maybe, uh, maybe towards that end of things. But uh, certainly nothing specific. 
you know, if he's going to wait to announce and if it was some type of thing where, you know, he was afraid of the backlash that he might get in Tennessee, well, he needs to wait until signing day. I mean, that would be one of those ones where you could just wait until the end of the year and just, you know, as you're trying to get out of Dodge, you know, say, hey, by the way, I'm going to USC. Thanks for everybody for coming to my announcement. And then you're on a plane, basically the way Lane Kiffin did it yeah. when he left Knoxville. Um, so, yeah, I, I, but that I don't think is going to happen. I mean, I think he's pretty much decided, you know what, I'm going to – you know, do what I'm going to do, and if I make an announcement, it's for USC. It's going to be, you know, probably earlier in the year rather than later in the year. Okay, let's go to JD in DC again. He, he said, "Is there room for Laquan Treadwell from Illinois in this class?" JD is back. JD. Um, that was kind of an abrupt ending to that sentence. Sorry, actually, well, um, he actually want to know: does he have an, Does he offer something different than Mitchell as well? Okay. Um, he does offer something different to Mitchell, and that's height. I mean, he's, he's a good 6'3", and he's got some long arms. Is there room for him in this class? Well, it just depends on what happens with Darius Rogers. I think that's a big piece of that puzzle. Um, I think that USC, you know, they're looking at maybe three receivers, I think, if Darius Rogers ends up not qualifying. And that's kind of, I think, like I said, the, the piece of the puzzle to all this and all this talk of, you know, uh, Paul Harris is another guy you can throw in there as a guy that USC still recruiting um, that's, you know, about 6'3", 180-pound receiver, uh, kind of tall, lanky kid. Another possible guy that USC may take another look at um, if they have some problems with Rodgers. Because you can get a look at USC. I mean, they're not necessarily really deep at receiver. While they have a lot of quality, it doesn't have. They don't have a lot of quantity in terms of the receiver position. So there's still possibility they could take three. I think they're taking three. If they happen to get another commitment, I think it's because you know there's somebody in there that uh, you know maybe Sebastian Larue could end up playing corner. I don't think you're looking at really four receivers in the class. I don't think that's happening. And I think if they bring in another receiver on top of Larue, who's their latest commitment at receiver it could maybe ruffle some feathers with that because LaRue has been told he can come in as a slot receiver and that's the first position he's going to get a chance to play at USC. You know, maybe all of a sudden they bring in a guy like Treadwell, which I think is a long shot. I think he's going to Michigan. We'll see what happens if he comes in on the official visit. Um, if he does end up, you know, changing his mind and end up liking USC or Paul Harris commits, that's going to be something that USC has to smooth out probably uh, with, I think, LaRue more than anybody. I think Steve Mitchell is in for the long haul. I think Elders Massington is pretty much in for the long haul. We're obviously going to see what happens with Texas and all that kind of stuff. I, you know, I, I know he's pretty – no way I'm going to go to Texas in the interviews we did down there in Atlanta. Uh, but, you know, OU, it's a long process. I keep saying that. I know I sound like a, uh, a broken record with the whole it's only June getting into July now. But it really is true. When we get into January, that's when we really start to see everybody's true colors and we really start to see, okay, who really is going to go take some official visits and how much of those visits going to change their mind with their commitment to USC. Okay, let's go back to David. He wants to know, It sounds he said, it sounds like at least three California boys without offers, uh, Duarte Foreman and Kenneth Clark, made some mad noise at the Rising Stars camp and outplayed some of the celebrated commits and recruits with offers. Mad noise. It was violent, and it was mad. Yeah, they played well. Um, Kennedy, uh, or excuse me, Kenny uh, Clark, who 
I've seen people write Kenny Carter like a lot of times, and it kind of makes me giggle because I almost did it a couple times too. He's from Carter High School, so it's easy to think about Kenny Carter rather than Kenny Clark. Um, Kenny Clark did play uh, very well at uh, the the Rise of Stars camp, and, and I hear you know from from a few people that feel like you know maybe he was the best lineman overall there on that first day. Didn't show up for the second day. Second day, evidently Kenny Bigelow kind of took over, uh, but that for that first day he definitely played really well, but didn't get the offer. Really didn't get a hint of a scholarship offer and turned around and just recently committed to UCLA, I think, because he felt like nothing was really going to go on with USC. USC could still end up offering him. You know, we've seen that happen. We've seen guys get scholarship offers, you know, in September. They get a couple games under their belt, and maybe the coaches go see them in person, and they're impressed, and they offer them. And all of a sudden, it changes the recruiting process. You know, we again, <laughs> like I said, it works both ways. I mean, it works for USC with that, and then it can work against USC with that. You know, the process kind of goes on, and guys start to look at things, and, and things change with people. Um, with Tyler Foreman, the really kind of surprising thing that I heard about him was that he was playing cornerback at the Rising Stars camp and actually impressed playing cornerback on how he moved. Now, we've seen him play in person and haven't really been all that impressed at how he's moved as a safety. So to hear that he was playing corner, he's playing well, was pretty surprising. I really think, even with that said, he ends up playing linebacker in college. And I think really the biggest issue with USC is just there's no spots there for him. I, I just can't figure a way, whether even if he came into the corner, that you could possibly get him in uh, with the guys that USC already has on the board and the guys that they already have committed. I think it'd be really tough, even as a linebacker. I don't know if they're going to be able to really take two linebackers. I think mean, you got Hutchings, and I think if there's a if there's a B there, if there's another guy that they can bring in uh, besides Hutchings at linebacker, I think you got to go with Tyrell Robinson, um, the, the linebacker from Lincoln San Diego High School, 6'4", probably about 200. I don't know. What did you think? You saw him at the B2G camp. He looks about 205, 210 now. Yeah, I would go um, he I and his brother Tyree, yeah. they're very impressive physical specimens. I, I think that kind of has to be the next move at linebacker. Okay, yeah, I would say about 210, too. I got some film, film of him, too, that will go up on the site. Uh, it's in the queue, so we have a lot of film to go up still. Well, uh, he played, you know, speaking of, of Foreman playing corner at Rising Stars, he played corner a little bit at B2G with a hurt foot. So, you know, talk about, you know, those athletic types. And, and he's a guy that, um, you know, talking about the skills camp going back before the Rising Stars camp, the Robinson twins were just, the, they were, talk about mad noise. I mean, that was all there was. It was just all about those Robinson twins, those twins, man, they killed it. You know, got guys had the one, you know, Tyree playing receiver, going over playing um, some safety, uh, and then playing corner. You had Ty, uh, Tyrell playing linebacker and locking it down. They were t- definitely one of those kind of, you know, camp sensation types. And I think still kind of under the radar for a lot of schools. We haven't been able to see them a whole bunch. I was hoping to see more of them at B2G. We only saw a, a brief glimpse of them. You guys are going to see the same thing that we saw at B2G because Ryan basically <laughs> isolated on him. I was like, hey, listen, if, if, if Tyrell or Tyree are showing up for this camp, get them. They are a priority. And so we got as much as we could get from Tyrell playing linebacker and playing defensive back even at that camp in the morning. Yeah, anything he did, I, I got on film. So, uh <laughs> <laughs> that I pretty much people were asking me like, how'd this quarterback look? And I'm like, I don't know. I wasn't, I'm only watching one guy, um, which is tough sometimes because you can't really observe everything that's going on, but you get some good footage. You can see everything that that one player did. Um, Melvin had a couple interesting questions. He said, one, do you think the adults who run the camp run the camp? I think he's talking about camps uh, point kids in certain directions or 
towards certain schools over other schools? And two, do you think that in the future, major college football programs will hire quote unquote coaches from these camps to be a coach on the college level so that they can recruit for the school? Well, I mean, if you're talking about Rising Stars Camp, certainly, I mean, USC coaches are pointing the kids in the direction of USC. If you're talking about, you know, a five-star challenge, if you're talking about the opening, if you're talking about camps that are run by kind of third-party organizations, whether it be Nike or Rivals or Under Armour, no, not really. I think it's more about the camp and, and the marketability of the camp. And if you start doing that and you start having people involved, that are in kids' ears and tell them to go to certain schools, it's going to get around. And, and it, it just, it, it, there's too many people around, and, and the players themselves kind of know what's going on in the background. If you get too much of that stuff, um, then the colleges are going to get mad. And when the colleges get mad, you're going to start to have issues being able to get players to that camp in the future. So I say no. I'm sure there's exceptions to the rule, and there's probably some idiots that get involved in the camp, and they decide to get on Facebook and start recruiting kids and start talking about certain schools, or maybe they're, you know, they're at the camp and they're talking to them behind the scenes when, you know, they get some time alone to, to say, hey, you know, you should really look at this school, and you know, those those guys. There's things that get said definitely, but I think nine times out of ten, it's the recruits themselves that are probably doing more recruiting, more peer pressure as far as you know where the uncommitted guys should be leaning and not leaning. Uh, more than anybody that's actually running a camp. All right. Uh, Bob J. We're coming to the end here. We got a few left. Uh, he says, what about defensive linemen? We only have Bigelow for 2013. Are there any other prospects we are actively recruiting? I, f- I feel bad for Kylie Fitz. I guess he doesn't count. Yeah, I was going to say, I guess Kylie Fitz is going to be playing some wide receiver, too. Um, no, uh, Kylie Fitz is, is obviously in there, and, and a guy that's pretty uh, versatile, and a guy that uh, I think we talked about before was pretty impressive at the uh, five-star challenge. He, he definitely stepped up. I think a lot of people are kind of looking at him thinking he might be a weak link uh, in the West uh, invitations, and he really wasn't. He came and he played really well, and he, and he fought through some shin splints and some cramps and, and gave a great effort, and I think he's going to be a solid guy for USC down the line. So, you have Bigelow and you have Fitz. Um, and then you're kind of looking for those two other guys. And you're looking for maybe another defensive tackle and you're looking for a defensive end. And we've talked about a bunch of different guys. Eddie Vanderdose, we talked about, you know, Demarcus Walker, the kid from Jacksonville, Florida, 6'4", about 270 pounds. You know, if he officially visits, maybe there's a little something to that. Um, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if USC continues to recruit Carl Lawson. He's been committed to Auburn, but he was just so dominant and so good at five-star you know, USC is going to hear about that, and they're going to still try to recruit him. Derek Callaway is that guy that, you know, like I said, kind of maybe more of a plan B. Uh, you don't hear a whole lot about USC and how hard they're recruiting him. Um, but a guy that, being from Southern California, it's probably a little easier to get him from Florida uh, than, you know, just uh, the random four-star, you know, defensive tackle from Florida. Uh, I think when you look at it traditionally, it's real difficult to get defensive linemen, linemen in general from the South. It's just, it's just hard. You spin your wheels a lot. Um, a guy that's kind of on the peripheral that might be an interesting guy to, to, to keep an eye out for is Tarani Prevo. Tarani Prevo is 6'4", about 210 pounds. Definitely really kind of the skinny receiver safety-looking uh, player of the defensive line group that we had in Atlanta. Again, it was a pretty impressive defensive line group. He stood out like a sore thumb because he was probably about 30 pounds lighter than the next guy of that defensive line group, uh, but a pretty good player. And he came out to Rising Stars, and he did well at Rising Stars. And uh, I think a guy that is a pass rusher, weak side pass rusher, 
you know, people made some some nice comparisons with him and some some pretty good uh, you know defensive ends that have come from Texas. I think the guy that uh, you know Brian Peroni actually put up put a name out there, and I don't think he wanted to make you know direct comparisons, but said he reminded him a lot of Von Miller coming out of high school because Von Miller was definitely kind of like that hybrid, you know, looked a little more like a linebacker uh, than a than a than a defensive end, and and grew into being more of a defensive end, and he feels like uh, you know maybe Prevo's got some of that same ability, and so um, that. Pretty much, you know, that perked my ears up when you're making those kind of comparisons. I think the big guy that really USC fans have to kind of look at post-Rising Stars is going to be Jason Hatcher, uh, the 6'2", 240-pound defensive end from Louisville, Kentucky, four-star. He's a guy that's, you know, we're going to see him at the opening. Very explosive off the edge. Probably that weak side type guy. Very strong. Um, he's got great leverage, uh, great feet. He's got good hand work. He's been a guy that's been around the camp circuit for a while and, really, you know, had some really good reviews just even early in his career. So, um, you know, USC had a little bit of success there with uh, Lamar Dawson and and getting him a couple years ago. You know, maybe they're able to bring out Jason Hatcher. Jason Hatcher is pretty close with Jalen Ramsey, and he hung out a lot with Eldridge Massington and Kenny Bigelow when they're at Rising Stars Camp. So I think that would definitely be one of those guys you want to put in bold or put a little asterisk next to his name as far as, you know, those defensive linemen and who USC is recruiting and who they have a good chance at getting. Okay. Uh, Anthony had a couple questions, and a lot of it, the first one had to do with the defensive line, which you kind of just went through. The second one, though, he wanted to know, does USC have more interest in Tahan Goodman or McCoy? Is, is it whoever commits first gets the spot? Uh, he said, I'm feeling very confident that Redfield is locked up. Does the staff want more than two safeties? Again, that's from Anthony. Well, if they get more than two safeties, again, you're going to have to start to think that, you know, maybe Sue is not a safety because I, I don't – I mean, five is kind of the number that we've heard over and over again, even from the recruits. Um, so I, I don't know how you're getting three safeties in there because it definitely looks like they're recruiting three cornerbacks. Um, so you would think three cornerbacks, two safeties. And if those two safeties are, you know, at the top of the list who we think they are, and that would be Max Redfield and Sue Cravens, uh, then getting Max Redfield would pretty much end the recruitment of those other guys. Now – Putting that aside, who do they like more, McQuay or Goodman? You know, it's a tough question. Obviously, you would think Goodman would be easier to get because he's local, uh, but I don't necessarily know that they've got a great shot at Goodman. I get the vibe from Goodman that he's going to go through the process. He's going to look at a lot of schools, and he's not one of those recruits that really has a lot of appreciation for tradition. He's not a football fan. He's not really even a sports fan. He's kind of a kind of different kid in terms of kind of how he follows sports and, and, and really what his interests are. He's, he's not a guy that's, you know, eat, sleep, and breathe football. And I, I think that may be even a question with him in terms of his future with football because, you know, when you get to college – you got to sacrifice. It's tough. You know, it's not easy playing football in college. And it's easy when you have the physical attributes of Tahan Goodman to play football in high school. So when you get to college, it starts to become a little tougher. And you kind of wonder, you know, if, if it starts to become tougher, if he's really going to still have the heart to be able to kind of push through those, those grinding type months of fall camp. And, you know, when you just, you really don't feel like playing football because you played so much football, you kind of have to love it. And that's still a little bit of a question with Tahan Goodman. But as I said, when McQuay, you know, he's got to visit, he's got to get on campus. There's got to be a lot that happens with him. Um, a lot of people feel like he's just going to end up at Vanderbilt before any of that even has a chance to happen. So that's kind of where I see things playing out. I mean, do they have a better shot at one over the other? I think it's a moot point. Um, I think you're pretty much looking at two guys that uh, are, are – 
kind of on the peripheral right now. I think the, the focus has got to be, you know, Cravens, who's already committed. He's, you know, kind of the jewel of the class right now. Um, and then, you know, you're looking at trying to get Max Redfield locked up. And then we'll kind of see how USC continues recruiting after that point. You know, if they're still, you know, recruiting Tom Goodman really hard or they're trying to bring in McQuay for a visit still, then you can say, all right, there's something going on here. You know, there's more to it. But until that point, I think, you know, worrying about, you know, who they have a better shot at between those two is, is not really that relevant. Okay. Uh, we got a last couple here. Tim, uh, you already talked about Priest Willis, but I thought he had an interesting comment here. He said, the Priest Willis recruitment kind of reminds me of the situation with Ellis McCarthy last year, where he seemed like a USC recruit throughout the year but would not commit, and then he ended up at UCLA. What is your sense regarding Priest? I can see the parallels with that. Um, and similar to Tahan Goodman also, just, you know, it seems to be harder than maybe it should be for USC to recruit those guys, seeing just how this class is going and, and, and how guys are just lining up to be a part of it. Um, I, I could kind of see that. It, I, I think more than anything, it's going to be the timeline. It's going to be the context in which, you know, Priest Willis's recruitment plays out. That's going to be maybe an issue just because the limited scholarships, how USC wants to play this, how this class is filling up, you know, it just might be one of those things where he just waits a little bit too late. I, I feel like with Priest, he definitely has specific things to say about USC and reasons he really likes USC. That was different than Ellis McCarthy. Ellis McCarthy kind of liked whatever school was the school that he saw last and the coaches he talked to last. And then obviously his parents and, and his father really more than anything kind of took control of his recruitment and kind of said, all right, this is where you're going. And, and maybe, you know, justifiably so because, you know, Ellis is definitely a little, was a little more immature. Um, I think with Priest, he's more mature. He kind of has a better grasp on the, the situation that he's in uh, as far as recruiting. Um, he likes USC. Uh, he likes USC a lot, and he really, really professes that when he talks about USC. But as he said, you know, he says some nice things about a lot of colleges, and he kind of knows how to play the game. It's going to be one of those situations that, you know, does he kind of play himself right out of the game with USC just because he wants to wait and he wants to kind of entertain all his options when USC needs to have more decisiveness when they've got all these guys that are looking like they want to be a part of that defensive back class. Okay, and then we have one last question from rundy is sebastian larue up to snuff with other usc quality receivers yes i think so i think that um he brings something a little different to the table than the two other commitments that they have and and he's also a guy that you know i think with his uh, return game is kind of a an interesting recruit and, and brings some value to the class i think as we said before though you know you have to always look at you know, his ability to also play corner. Um, you're looking at the versatility aspect. Uh, just as a straight uh, receiver, uh, he's a little smaller than the guys that they have. He probably would be the smallest uh, receiver, I think, on the roster just overall. I don't think there's another guy. He's only about 5'9 and a half, 5'10", so he's not a real big kid. Um, but he's definitely smooth. He's a good route runner. Uh, but I think more than anything, I mean, you definitely have to keep in mind with uh, the versatility and his ability to play special teams. That's where you're looking at the value with him in the class. All right. Well, Gerard, great stuff. Uh we had a lot of questions, and we got to, I think we just got to every one of them. If we skipped one, it was usually because we already covered that topic. So I tried to get at least one in from everybody. But uh, thanks for sharing all your knowledge, Gerard. And uh, next week we'll have a, a fun one because we'll be coming back from the opening where a lot of USC players will, future USC players will be, potential future USC players, I guess you could say. And 
we'll get some updates on all those. Hopefully we'll get some footage and interviews and analysis and all that kind of fun stuff. So next week should be a good one. Yep, definitely. Happy 4th of July to everybody. Uh, we'll have a preview of the opening going up pretty soon, so keep an eye out for that. And uh, definitely stay tuned to USCfootball.com for a lot more co- uh, coverage of uh, the opening and um, you know any other camp that we happen to stumble upon between now and fall camp. All right, it's just well, going to be camps and camps and more camps. And camp, you're going to get tired of the word camp pretty soon, Brian. <laughs> I'm already tired of it, but it's okay. It's all good. But, yeah, everyone have a very safe, safe uh, 4th of July holiday, and we'll talk to you all next week. You've been listening to the Peristyle Podcast presented by uscfootball.com. Be sure to tune in next week for the latest news on Trojan football and recruiting. And don't forget, you can automatically download the podcast directly to your iPod or MP3 player for free. Just click the iTunes link on peristylepodcast.com or search for Peristyle Podcast at the iTunes Music Store. Music